What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. South Carolina's Republican primary is passed. Former President Donald Trump defeats challenger Nikki Haley. What to make of the numbers with Punchbowl's Jake Sherman. 40% is pretty damn high. I mean, it's, it's not an insignificant number of voters that don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Despite political uncertainty, the market hitting 52-week highs. Professor Jeremy Siegel says he's bullish, whatever happens. I don't think that the market is all that concerned about who is going to be president between Biden and Trump. Retail analyst Dana Telsey on the trends to watch and where when major retailers report results. When you talk about new pants cycles, it yeah. can be two or three years that it lasts. And then everyone's back to skinny jeans again. Yes. Plus, Amazon's Dow debut, Berkshire Hathaway's cash pile, insider trading from home, and what do some of the hottest stocks have in common? Weight loss. Weight loss. Yes. Weight loss. It's Monday, February 26th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one. Cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. And Becky is off today, so it's just the boys once again. But um, as we keep saying, lots going on and there really is a lot going on. And we've been watching shares of Amazon and Uber. Amazon is going to be joining the Dow Jones Industrial Average and Uber is joining the Dow Transports today. You were talking about how Amazon had... Uh, Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> no, you know, Kramer knows every stock in the universe and what it's been and what it's done. Um, when I took a, a closer look at Amazon, it was at 175 already uh, a couple of years ago. It had been. And then at the beginning of 2023, it's all the way down to like $85. Right. We had sort of the pandemic bump, and then we came down, all the way down, back down, now, now all the way back up with the 220 uh, target. In the latest report, everything was, there's so much there for bulls right. to like in terms of margin expansion and revenue growth. Uh, and everything else. Uh, it's got a decent market cap. It's no NVIDIA, but uh, it's almost $2 trillion. Almost, not quite. The National uh, NABE, the National Association of Business Economists, raising its growth forecasts uh, for the year to 2.2%. Not only is that one uh, percentage point above its previous estimate, which would have been down at like 1%, 1.2, uh, but it also is a positive number. So that in and of itself for 2024 uh, shows you how far we've come from the idea that we were going to have a recession uh, this year. In addition, three quarters of respondents uh, predict it's off landing, that that will in fact uh, be the case for the economy with just uh, three rate cuts now predicted uh, this year. The first rate cut they see uh, not until June. Shares of Denmark's Zeeland Pharma Soaring after the company uh, reported. So it's up, Andrew, 33%. Why? Strong results from a trial of a liver. Are you listening? Yeah, I am. It's a liver disease treatment. 
Uh huh. Do you think it's a liver disease treatment or perhaps something else? Weight loss. Weight loss. Yes. Weight loss. Don't worry about your liver. That's fine. That's good. Might work. Might help there. But you don't get 33% unless you're treating fat people. It's unbelievable. It's taking over the world of pharmaceutical. That's the only thing anyone's yep. interested in. Wouldn't it be nice to treat liver inflammation? That seems like a really good drug. But the, the reason it's up, it's been touted as a potential competitor in the booming weight loss drug market. The phase two trial showed 83% of adults uh, saw positive results for a form of liver uh, inflammation caused by excess fat cells. Uh, however, the company says that the results demonstrate that the highest dosage of the drug being tested is safe. And it, you know, since it's treating, since the fat cells are involved in the liver inflammation, that's the logical idea is you could use it for obesity. The drug currently is undergoing five phase three trials and a clinical program for people who are overweight or obese. And that's the real, uh, I think that's the real impetus there that you can see. For, for and you think we're going to all be microdosing. That'll be a pill we take in the morning of something. Well, it's going to be, because it's not just going to be, see, it's not just going to be about obesity. It's mm -hmm. going to be like a longevity situation. Because that's a because problem for... Well, people will live longer if, if they're not There's just more not to obese. It There's more to it than that. But it's going to control yeah. the fats and the glucose in their body. If you believe glucose is like, you know, rusting the insides of your, your, your body. I'm just saying, this is... Who believes that? Oh, there, you know, people I think People think glucose is rusting the insides of your body? Yes. Rusting the insides That's of your body. That's one way to think about it in terms of <laughs> the cancers that people get. I mean, you can start you to... You think glucose, you've got definitive... I don't have definitive You know you love science. You I'm love, saying there's a you lot... You only rely on the science in all of your conversations. This is science you're giving me now? I'm not giving you glucose science. Glucose rusts the inside of your body and causes cancer? There's a lot of, there's, there, there's a lot of I, literature that seems uh, to suggest that glucose is a prime mover in a lot of the problems that we have in our bodies. You've been saying that for a while, but I, I can tell you the things that, that cause cancer if you'd like. Okay. Well, well carcinogens, well, radiation. Yes. Um, there's all of those things. Genetic damage caused by carcinogens, but glucose, not one of them. Do you think glucose has nothing to do with it? I don't think there's any definitive evidence of okay. glucose that causes genetic damage, which results in, in cancer. Tobacco smoke does. Do you think it exacerbates it? Um, I've got no reason to think that. It may cause, I think it causes obesity, which, and down the road, maybe that leads to, to things. But I, I don't know, just, you know, you know, let's talk. I about, don't think it's fair to glucose. <laughs> okay, let's, talk, let's talk about a guy who's done very well drinking a lot of Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Warren Buffett uh, over the weekend, in case you missed it, Berkshire Hathaway reporting a 28 percent jump in the operating earnings in the fourth quarter, helped by an increase in insurance underwriting earnings and investment income. Berkshire's cash hoard grew to one hundred and sixty seven point six billion dollars. It passed a record level from the prior quarter. In his annual letter, Warren Buffett saying, there remains only a handful of companies in this country capable of truly moving the needle at Berkshire, and they have been endlessly picked over by us and others. He said there were basically no companies outside of the country uh, that could move the needle. This was the first earnings season uh, report since the death of Charlie Munger, and Buffett devoted much of his annual letter at the beginning of it, uh, praising Munger's role in creating the firm, calling him the architect of the company, called himself the general contractor. 
Buffett said at this uh, year's annual meeting he would take the stage this time with Ajit Jain, uh, who runs their insurance business, and Greg Abel. He also made some interesting comments about uh, the electric business, uh, the regulations around electric, the electric business, uh, and also uh, the train business and just how capital intensive that business mm -hmm. was. You very rarely hear him uh, talk about regulations. I thought, Joe, you'd be interested in knowing that he was calling out some of the regulatory problems yeah. uh, that he thought were impacting those businesses, um, as well as um, talking about some of the, the highlights in the business. But it was a fascinating letter, and of course, um, the first page, which was devoted to Charlie Munger and his relationship, mm -hmm. were really quite poignant. I don't think Charlie liked regulation much, either. Charlie didn't like regulation much, but it, but it, it was just interesting to see he had, he's now bought two businesses that are highly regulated businesses. Yeah. Uh, most of the other businesses, if you go back and think about them, were not, were not highly regulated businesses. So check it out. Sugar. Glucose. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Is not a carcinogen. However, overconsumption of sugar uh, can, add, can contribute to obesity, uh -huh. which is an important risk factor for cancer. So it's exactly what we sort of came okay. to that. So exacerbating the cancer potential. No, it, it, it can be, a, obesity can be a risk factor to, end, to result in, in cancer. Okay. But, but definitely not a, look, I love sugar. I know you do. And I'm not sure, there, there's times when I th I'm more worried right. about the substitute than I, I, it's like, I'm just going to go with the sugar instead of, I mean, how many times we got to find one of those right. sugar substitutes that so is a carcinogen? So glucose you think is not a problem? No, I, I don't, not in moderation, I don't think so. You don't look like you have a glucose problem at all. I don't know. Do you got no, no, but there's a lot of people trying to control. No, nope, there's a lot of people trying to control their glucose. Yeah. Well, I mean, for diabetes yeah. and other things, but even, well, yeah. even even people who are not diabetic are trying to control their glucose. You Ketones, remember? You, you, want, you, you want to get into ketosis to lose weight, for example. You would need to actually you know how many, rid your body of glucose. You know, you know how many crazy things in the last 50 years we've believed that, yeah. that turned out not to be true about red meat or about this, that, and, and the other glucose thing. Glucose is not it. And okay. fads. Then there's a lot of fads. Well, I don't know. Do you like saccharin? Feel good with that? Not you know, sugar substitutes yeah, you, are carcinogens. Some of them, some of them have, have been in, in mice. But once again, you know, it's bad for mice, but I feel bad for them. This is a fascinating story. The husband of a former BP M&A manager has now pleaded guilty to security fraud related to insider trading. Tyler Loudon, a Houston resident, earned $1.6 million from illicit trades based on non-public knowledge. Now, authorities say that Loudon learned of BP's confidential plans to acquire Travel Centers of America back in 2022 while working remotely in earshot of his wife. So risk of the pandemic era work from home policy, here it is. Over the next few months, Loudon sold all of his positions in his brokerage account and Roth IRA and accumulated 46,000 shares of Travel Centers without telling his wife. This is according to U.S. Attorney's Office. Loudon due to be sentenced in May and faces a maximum possible sentence of five years in prison and a $250,000 fine as part of his plea. He agreed to forfeit the $1.76 million in illegal profits. And, you know, I was thinking about this story, Joe. Lawyers, bankers, other people who are in, in sort of regular contact with non-public information, it's one thing to have that information when you're in the context of an office. And you think maybe it's dangerous for that to be in an office. But the, the flip side is when you're doing it all from home, there's a lot of people sometimes in your house. You got kids, 
who yeah. might be hearing you. You have spouses. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes there's news that I even hear about. I, I always have to keep it very close to make sure nobody, no one in my family knows what's going on. Um, and lawyers and bankers and other people like that often have to do that. How much of this stuff leaks out in a work from home world rather than a work from the office universe? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you need to worry probably yet, right? Kids are 13. You don't think that they're hearing you and they're... Oh, do I think my call, kid? No, hopefully calling, not. Calling Robin Hood. No, hey, listen, I need no, to. No, 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 no. But you look, you every, look, look. When you were in, when you live in a world of confidential information, yeah. you don't want other people to know it for obvious reasons. So even even a spouse or or children should not be in possession of this information just out of fear that they would say it off, you know, at a coffee shop to their friend or whatever Always it is. possible. And so yeah. here you are in a universe where where. There's more of those sort of overheard conversations, perhaps, and here's a great example of it going off the rails. Right. It it uh, it, it would be a it's a possibility, but I don't, I wouldn't lose any sleep thinking about it. Maybe you more than than me, but I, there's been certain things that I've known that I wouldn't want to when when getting out and I keep my mouth you know keep your mouth shut most of the time, right? Well, you know what they say about loose lips. Sure, but if they're if they're if they're if if, if the office is the dining room, right. and that's how people are, are running their life, right. it becomes more complicated. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod. Have you gone shopping lately? Can we just talk about this? What is going on with pants? All the pants are getting wide now. How do you know this? Because I have eyes. What to watch ahead of a few key earnings reports from American retailers. And seasoned market watcher Jeremy Siegel is definitely looking on the bright side. I was looking at the data. Hey, this economy is getting through these interest rates. And then I became much more bullish on on what the economy is going to do and and backed off from any recession probability. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Te presentamos a la familia Rubio. Ellos hacen todo en familia. Rompecabezas, viajes a Walmart, ejercicios, cocinamos, todo. Y cuando supieron que la farmacia de Walmart tiene vacunas para todas las edades, desde HPV hasta neumonía, pues nos fuimos en familia a vacunarnos. Y de una vez hicimos nuestras compras. Like, obvio, Abu. <risas> Protege a tu familia con vacunas para todos. Haz una cita hoy con los farmacéuticos expertos de Walmart Pharmacy. Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Sujetas a disponibilidad y ley estatal aplicable. Se aplican restricciones según la edad. Pregúntale a tu farmacéutico por detalles. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. This week's earnings calendar has a handful of retailers and consumer names due to report. Joining us now with more on some of those names and the state of the consumer, Dana Telsey, Advisory Group CEO and Chief Research Officer. Is this a week you look forward to more than, than when you get the big big boxes? Because you, you still go into malls and looking at seeing who's I there. I still do that. You have to do that. You have to go to the store in order to see what's happening. You used to tell me about Hot is. Topic. And you, yeah. you, you go to across the board. You go, I go to, yes, I still go to still? stores. But, still. But you know what else I do? I also 
also look at the web too. I yeah. do a weekly trend report that I put out every week that shows what the differences are this week versus last year. I've got six years worth of data. So I'm looking at what these promos were even over the past four or five years. Are you on her list of? Uh, I'm not. I need to get on Because you were just talking about who's for you. You're having trouble. You don't know who's for you. Where to? Who's for me anymore? I don't. He needs. Can you send? Can you help yes. him with? Yes, I can help you. Who's? Yes. What are we going to see this week? What are you looking forward to that gives us an idea uh, about you know sort of the, the overall consumer sentiment? So I think a couple things. I think look, we got a little bit of a hint a couple weeks ago when the retail real estate companies reported their earnings, and you've had David Simon on of Simon Properties. We have a great international outlet business in Korea and Japan, uh, and um, and Malaysia. At the same time. We love building shopping centers in, in Oklahoma. So it just gives you a sense of the, of the scale of the business and something that we're proud of. You had Steve Yaloff on of Tanger Outlet Centers. A lot of people are moving out of cities. They're looking for secondary markets, places for them to live. Tax, tax rates are a lot better. The uh, business climate is a lot better for a lot of folks. People are working out of their homes or just moving into these communities and they're growing. And they're growing in leaps and bounds. And we heard that business was good, leasing demand is high, all my research shows new store openings are working, and look what they talked about, new development. Now pivot here to what we're going to hear this week. We know that retail sales were bad in January. Are retail sales ever that good in January? No. But we know that the consumer overall is still spending. Maybe not as much on discretionary. They're spending on essentials. What I want to hear this week, I want to hear from Macy's exactly what that state of their consumer is. We know that their credit card debt has increased. We're going to hear from others this week, whether it's Urban Outfitters, whether we're going to hear from TJX. I expect TJX to continue to be strong. And when vendors like Steve Madden talk about the only channel of wholesale that's strong for them is off-price. The off-prices are going to win with traffic. That's what we're going to see, and that's what my research shows. That's what my channel checks show. Interesting, because we <clears throat> we love that retail. The retail sales number was weak, but the people that are worried about the Fed, et cetera, raising, that was one of the the, the softer data points that it didn't scare us. Like the, exactly. Like the employment numbers, and, and, and it's a... But you're saying it was a one-off. It's because it's never I think it's, it's Exactly. And look what you have next. Easter's coming up. We have an earlier Easter this time. Retailers are starting to put out their Easter goods. We've got new trends. Andrew, if you want to wear wide bell-bottom jeans, yeah. the wider the better. That is what the is biggest going on? trend. Can we just talk about this? What is going on with pants? All the pants are getting wide now. Yes, they are. Right. Men, women, the whole thing. How do you it's, know this? Because I have eyes. And you is see he it. right? Yeah, he, he's absolutely right. But the pants are getting the pants are getting my wider. pants have gotten much wider. No, no, no. But pants <laughs> are getting wider. They're, and back, by the way, back in the to waist, pleats. back to pleats in the waist, back to pleats. Can we talk about that, too? But you know what you need when you have new styles like that? You need new tops. and You need new shoes. Right. So it could there you have it. Drive a new apparel cycle. There you have it, Andrew. But how long is this going to last? You're going to be on her list when you talk about new pants cycles. It yeah. could be two or three years that it lasts. And, that and then everyone's be. back to skinny jeans again. Yes. Well, there's got to be a reason to create demand. <laughs> That's the drivers. It's true. What? <laughs> You're looking at me like, I don't know. It's just we live and die. I just, I don't. What are you talking about? I, I haven't not, been thinking about what new tops I need to buy for my, been seen my, my changing pants. pants. No, I or didn't. Men. men. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, even look at like a well-dressed man like, like a Brad Pitt. He's wearing wide pants now. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Yes. He's absolutely right. 100%. How the hell do you know? Where do you see him in People Magazine? Where, I read this stuff. I'm trying to He's keep up. He's in the up. know. I'm, you know? One word. What's that? 
Metro what? But look what man. this does. Metro we man. Need, we You're need, a Metro man. I'll take it. <laughs> we need retail proud. sales. It drives sales Send increases. him your stuff. I will. You Please. need sales increases. Send him your stuff. He doesn't have anybody now. You're not sure who you are. Well, you he knows who he is. For more on the markets and all the record highs we've been seeing, I want to bring in Jeremy Siegel, Professor Emeritus of Finance at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business. You've been a longtime bull, but the truth is uh, there have been moments where you have pulled back or, or, or at least told folks to hesitate. Where are you now, Professor? Well, I still think the momentum is there. Uh, you know, the, make the trend your friend. Go with the flow. Uh, I mean, we're selling it 20 times forward earnings, which I think is quite reasonable. I mean, the tech stocks are 30 or plus. The rest of the market is, you know, 16. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stocks that are quite reasonable if you don't think the tech could continue its uh, movement upward. But, you know, overall, I, you know, the momentum is, is still positive and I'm still positive on the market. The Siegel family is doing what? Are you playing the Magnificent Seven? Have you moved down to the Fantastic or Fancy Four, as they're calling them? No, we're much more broadly diversified, um, uh, even though certainly I, I wish I put everything in NVIDIA. You know, I heard you, you know, uh, you say Warren Buffett said nothing much could move the needle. Well, if he had NVIDIA, he would have moved that needle. Uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, the momentum in some of those uh, stocks, uh, you know, might still be beginning. I mean, I look back at, uh, you know, 99 uh, uh, 98, 99, 2000, the big stock then, if, if we remember, was Cisco, which was supposed to be the first trillion dollar stock. Uh, you know, we, we know NVIDIA hit a two trillion dollar stock. Uh, Cisco was selling at 120 times earnings in early 2000. Well, my goodness, if NVIDIA ever got to that valuation, uh, it would be at $3,000 a share. Now, I'm not I'm not making that prediction. I'm just telling you how crazy things can go. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or NVIDIA, which is yeah. probably yeah. NVIDIA. But, NVIDIA. Uh, yeah, but Professor, um, the bottom line is you were right that the market was going to keep going up. The, the thing you were wrong about was the economy, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you were pretty sure the, that the Fed was way too tight needed to cut. The economy is slowing much more drastically than, than anticipated. And a lot of people, I've, I thought the same thing. That was not the case. Yeah. Well, and that was the case a year ago when SVB failed. I thought, oh, my God, it's the beginning. But I, I pivoted in, in July and I said, you know what? I was looking at the data. Hey, this economy is getting through these interest rates. And then I became, um, you know, uh, much more bullish on on what the economy is going to do and, and backed off from, from any recession uh, probability. Yeah, I, I was definitely that way a year ago, uh, but I pivoted last summer and I still see that strength despite the interest rates that the Fed has had um, and uh, see that strength into uh, 2024. In, in any rate cuts ever? <laughs> you know, who's, I think the market is almost saying who's a, Who's afraid of the big bad Fed? Um, I, I think there will be rate cuts uh, because I still think inflation is on a downward trend. I think we had somewhat of an anomaly in January. I think we're going to get better uh, CPI numbers for the month of, of February. But the truth of the matter is, 
that uh, the you know the economy is surviving these rates. As you saw, the NABE today raised it, almost doubled its GDP forecast to two percent, which I agree with. In fact, it could be two and a half percent this year. So as long as the economy remains strong, there is no hurry for the Fed to lower those interest rates. I mean, that I think that's the bottom line. Does that mean you think we could go the whole year with, without anything? I mean, that's in a sort of uh, Jamie Dimon-esque sort of uh, posture. I mean, in fact, I think he had said there was even a possibility they could raise rates at one point. I, I don't think they're going to uh, raise rates because I think inflation going down that, you know, will convince them to be on hold. Is it possible that they won't lower rates this year? Yes, that is possible. It's not my baseline projection, but, uh, you know, every, you know, as I look at all the real data and all right. the real time, real data, you know, I don't see, I don't see any real slowdown yet, but I don't see, I'll tell you why I don't see the inflation. Sensitive commodity indices are still going down in a downtrend or flat. And uh, that is not an inflationary trend. So we're walking into an election year here, and there is a view, and if you look at some of the charts historically, that it, it could be that once you hit summertime, and in fact, one of our guests last week made this point, you do get into a, a bit more of a volatile situation. And in fact, there are, some, there are some investors who think that once you hit the summer, things will get a lot more complicated quickly. Are you of that view? Well, historically, you know, the third year of presidential terms are the best. The fourth is usually fairly good. But, but Andrew, I think you'll agree with me. This is going to be a presidential year like none other. And to try to say what has happened in the last 20, 30 years is likely to repeat this year, I think, is, is perhaps stretching it. I mean, there could be surprises on any side with any candidate. So I, I would... But doesn't you know, that just be, add to the uncertainty if that's if that's true? I mean, I think it adds to the uncertainty. The the truth of the matter is, at the present time, um, I don't think that the market is all that concerned about who is going to be president between Biden and Trump, uh, between those two candidates. Uh, remember, uh, you know, four years ago, we had Bernie Sanders in the mix. The market was very concerned about that. Uh, being a socialist uh, coming uh, uh, yep. uh, into the presidential race. But, uh, you know, both Biden, I mean, and Trump, and, and um, there's pluses and minuses, you know, they both call themselves capitalists. In fact, they both call themselves pro-market people, which I have not seen for both sides of the aisle for a long time. Professor, I want to thank you. It is always great to speak with you and get your perspective on where things are headed. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks, Andrew. Next on Squawk Pod, sticking points in Washington and around the country with just days to go before the next government funding deadline. Punchbowl News' Jake Sherman on the election's hot topics like border security. There is a lot of evidence that congressional Republicans do not, at least in the House, do not want to solve this with Joe Biden in office. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 
You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square and I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky is off today. Former President Donald Trump winning the South Carolina Republican presidential primary on Saturday. NBC News reporting that Trump won about 60% of the votes and Nikki Haley won about 40%. In a speech to supporters in Charleston, Haley said she would continue campaigning, saying there are a huge number of Republican voters who are saying they want an alternative to Trump. I'm going to count it. I know 40% is not 50%. But I also know 40% is not some tiny group. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. But Haley lost a powerful donor. Network backed by billionaire Charles Koch is pausing its financial contributions to Haley's campaign. Americans for Prosperity Action saying it still endorses Haley for president, but doesn't believe any outside group can make a material difference to widen her path to victory. There is some question about when you look at those results, what that ultimately means for the rest of the country in a general election, given the people, the, the number of people who came out effectively against Trump. I don't know if you, you think I'm looking at the glass half. No, full no, or glass no. The, 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 the demos, a, the demos are not are not positive. For it, it look, here's one on the flip side. If you're a Democrat, you could vote for Nikki Haley. In yes. South Carolina. And I don't know how many. I, I would say at least five. Of the, I think he would have probably won by 25 if that there are even more, maybe. But then he's not getting suburban. A lot of the people necessary to win the general, including Nikki Haley supporters. Right. That's the, that's the journal piece today that Trump's going to need. Um, People that are in, it's a, I mean, that's a pretty big number, whether you include the Democrats that, that crossed over to vote for her or not, that's still a pretty big number. You'd need them in the general, those Republicans that, that aren't voting for him, you'd need him that, them to win, to beat Biden. Right. Yeah. And so that's a question. Oh, it's uh, a mess. It's a, Andrew, it's, it's a mess. mess. It's a mess on both sides. It is a mess. It's a mess on both not, sides. That I will not it's dispute. Mess. It's a mess. Uh, we meantime, deserve better. We have some other news this morning to tell you about the RNC chair. Uh, Rona uh, McDaniel is announcing that she will step down next month. That follows the former president Donald Trump's call for a new slate of leaders to direct the party. McDaniel saying the RNC has historically undergone change once we have a nominee and it has always been my intention to honor that tradition. I wonder who will take that job. They said it might be Laura Trump, but I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. I don't, and then what? I don't know. It's not going to be you. That's all I know. Yeah, are you thinking? You're, you're thinking. Not gonna be you're me either. Not gonna be me either. You no. sure? Positive. I can't. I, I can can't. No, I'll nominate you. Huh? I'll nominate you. You do anything to get me out of here. I'm not leaving. I told you that. Joining, uh, joining us now on those stories and the potential for a partial government shutdown on Friday. Punchbowl News. Co-founder Jake Sherman. Uh, he's an NBC News and an MSNBC contributor. Every time. I guess we'll talk about the shutdown, Jake, but, but first, I think the elephant in the room, we've got to see what happens with, with Nikki Haley. There's some rumblings that even though she says, I'm not going anywhere, that, that you're starting to see possibly uh, signals that, that it, you're, the end might be coming. It might be the beginning of, of her trying to get some kind of graceful exit. I mean, listen, she's, she's, her whole play is she's an edge against Donald Trump um, being convicted or whatever. But I, I think it's difficult 
to continue to make the case that he, she has a viable path when she hasn't won a single state. But your your point, Joe, and her point that 40 percent is pretty damn high. I mean, it's it's not an insignificant number of voters that don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. And I was I was talking to a group the other day and someone raised their hand and said, well, where do voters like me go if we're Republicans and we don't want Donald Trump? And I said to this guy, I just think you're going to vote for Trump at the end of the day, because I think most most voters will just say we don't want Joe Biden to be president. We want that. We, we don't and we're going to fold and vote for Donald Trump. So I, I just think that I think that it might be a little bit overstated that Republicans won't vote for Trump. But I do hear your point on independence. It's very scary for the Trump campaign. It's a couple of wild cards. Immigration is just I mean, I, I don't know. There, there are people that would never vote for Trump. I think that because of what's happening at the border might just say, I, I don't care. I'm doing it. it. Every time something like Georgia happens, Jake, I mean, that that just inflames passion. And, and I'm talking about the uh, that unfortunate, uh, really tragic um, incident that happened down in Athens to that young uh, nursing student. And, and whenever that happens, it's like, you know, you saw that. I'm sure you're on Twitter. You saw how many people said they're assigning blame, ascribing blame to the current administration for, for what's happening. And they do deserve some blame, generally speaking, for the situation at the border. But I think, listen, and, and I'm not suggesting voters will take into account the nuance of the situation, but both parties need have heavy loads of, of blame here. Um, uh, I don't Congress think it's close, Jake. I, I mean, but, I hear that. I, I hear that. And I know that. They walked away from a deal after they said they wanted a deal. But day one, he took he, all those executive orders, day one, and he could put them all back in right now, all the things that kept the border much more closed, and he hasn't. So he can look into the camera, and all of his people can look in, in and say, uh, this is not my fault. No one, I don't think anyone's buying it. But I, I don't think that's enough. I, that, I could still see after he saw it in 2020, he saw it in 2022. When it's all said and done, uh, there are certain, I don't know, there are certain wins that, that make it difficult for, for Trump to get over that 40% mark, 45% mark. And it, it could, I could definitely see it happening again, even if it is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I do agree that Joe Biden took a, a big step on the border at the beginning of the at the beginning of his term. And Democrats have said to me privately, listen, we, we didn't take this seriously enough. We should have said what Trump was doing on the border was not right, but we're going to secure the border in the way we believe uh, it should be secured. They did not do that. They they uh, uh, stepped around the fact that it is a crisis. And I think everybody realizes that. I mean, I was down there and I was and I covered this stuff and I was shocked um, at the at just the openness of the border at the in the Eagle Pass sector. I was down there with Speaker Mike Johnson a couple months ago, and it, it is quite shocking, to be honest with you. Um, and But listen, Biden hopes that he could muddy the waters a little bit and say, Republicans want this as a political issue with Joe. I will say there is a lot of evidence that congressional Republicans do not, at least in the House, do not want to solve this with Joe Biden in office. And I, maybe sure that's that. a cynical point of view, but I think it's true. No, I'm certain that that uh, I'm certain that that's uh, I'm, I don't think we want to solve anything between now and November. <laughs> is, you, is Ukraine going to anything going to happen there? It seems like the uh, the people that on the Republican Party that, that don't want to give more funding to Ukraine, it seems like that 
the, the chorus of, of cries from them are getting even louder at this point. Where's the money going? Uh, is it, if we give you this money, are you, are you telling us you're going to win? Obviously, you know, that's not going to happen. We spent, you know, what was Trump asking for? $5 billion to, to close the border? And, and in this bill, it's another, I mean, this is just another 60. That's just part of the down payment on, on how much more there would be over the next two or three years, right? This is just another 60, another 60 but we're talking 60 after that and 60 after that, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's an unfair comparison to compare it with Trump because he was a uniquely ineffective legislative president. Well, and Mexico uh, was going to pay anyway, so it didn't matter. Right, exactly. It wasn't going to so, be our five billion. But still, I you know, you know that, what I mean. I mean, yes. 60 billion and we don't know what really where, you know, it, when Zelensky recently was on in, in interviews, he conceded some of it does go to, to pensions for soldiers. Some of it does go to. Uh, you know, to, to taking care of families of people that are, you know, what, 31,000 soldiers have lost their lives in Ukraine. Yeah, but but Joe, much of this is is not just straight cash to the Ukrainians. A lot of it is manufacturing American weapons yep. and sending it to Ukraine or actually replacing U.S. weapons that we've already sent to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I, the answer to your question is I do believe at some point this will get done. I think Speaker Mike Johnson has been very non-committal and very wobbly on how it will get done, whether it will get done through a so-called discharge petition, which is a complex legislative maneuver, which allows 218 people to bring a bill to the floor uh, without the leadership. But I do think, and remember, Israel aid is tied up in this and Taiwan aid is also tied up in this. And uh, I think the, the supporters of Israel aid, which is a vast majority of members of Congress are getting very frustrated. Hey, Jake, I got one more question for you. There's obviously been lots of questions about uh, the mental acuity of the president. Over the weekend, there was a number of headlines coming out, frankly, of the Drudge Report and others uh, taking on the mental acuity of the former president, former President Trump, with some gaffes and comments that he made. Uh, Joe and I were talking about them during the commercial break. I don't think it's close. I think I Joe know. was saying he didn't think it was close. What, what do you think is happening? <laughs> That's the, uh, let me put on my neurology cap for a second. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I, I think the um, I think, listen, I think Republicans are not going to criticize Trump no matter what he does. He could get up there and completely freeze on stage and he would have a um, uh, no one say anything about him. I think, listen, I think there's obviously a lot of Democrats who are extraordinarily uh, uh, worried about Joe Biden and his ability to win. Um, I, I, I think that still the odds are 80 percent, 85 percent. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee when it comes when the convention comes around in just a couple of months. I don't think it's but even Jake, close. You've, I've seen the town hall. He, he talks for an hour and a half. His answers are, are sometimes insane, but they're not they're, they're not off a cue card where the simplest two sentence policy answer is impossible because you just can't. It's not not even in the same sport, much less the neck, the same ballpark in terms of, you know, he sits there and takes questions for an hour and a half. When's the last time Biden took questions for an hour and a half? Totally unscripted without Jake Sherman and and Kirby and everybody else there propping him up. It's not even close. Jake Sullivan, what? just to be clear, I didn't I don't prop up. Uh, I don't prop up Jake Sullivan, as I think who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jake Sullivan. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jake Sherman. No, but, yeah, you're, you're Jake Sherman. You're I don't yeah, that's and I'm Jonathan. Before, I believe it. And you're Jonathan. It's nice to see you, Jake. Thank you.
And that's Squawk Pod for this Monday. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Te presentamos a la familia Rubio. Ellos hacen todo en familia. Rompecabezas, viajes a Walmart, ejercicios, cocinamos, todo. Y cuando supieron que la farmacia de Walmart tiene vacunas para todas las edades, desde HPV hasta neumonía, pues nos fuimos en familia a vacunarnos. Y de una vez hicimos nuestras compras. Like, obvio, Abu. <risas> Protege a tu familia con vacunas para todos. Haz una cita hoy con los farmacéuticos expertos de Walmart Pharmacy. Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Sujetas a disponibilidad y ley estatal aplicable. Se aplican restricciones según la edad. Pregúntale a tu farmacéutico por detalles.